Thank you, Emily. So there are few things more enduring that you see on television or internet videos than when some kind of a high-profile celebrity, think about like an athlete, does something, like goes out of his or her way to do something kind or give attention to a little kid, right? And you can imagine, you've probably seen videos of stuff like this happening, like a professional basketball player signing his shoes or his jersey or something and then giving it to just some random little kid and you just see how much joy that brings them, that they would give them that kind of attention or go out of the way to do something for them. Just remember that whenever that happens, they learned it from Jesus, right? Like he was the, he was the first one to, to pull that little stunt, right? That uh, he, he went out of his way to give his time and attention uh, to little ones in this text. And so we're going to look at three just real simple observations. Obviously, it's a very short text this morning. Um, we're just going to make three simple observations about that and talk about um, kids and why Jesus went out of his way to give his attention and time to them. So the first observation is just real simple, is that Jesus has time for kids, okay? So whenever we're engaging kids in the service, we've got some little kids in here, I like to do this thing to help them pay attention, where I say, kids, are you listening? And they all say, yes, Pastor Kai. So we're going to do that real quick. Kids, are you listening? Oh, man, that was great. You guys are so much better than the first service at that. Good job. So, all right, kids, I want you to think, think about something. How many of you, this is going to be um, incriminating possibly, how many of you sometimes feel like adults don't have time for you? Would you raise your hand? Do you ever feel like adults don't have time for you? Sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? Hey, my kids, y'all put your hands down. Okay, so sometimes it feels that way, but you know what? Here's what we learned from this text is that Jesus always has time for you. That Jesus never, when you pray to him or, or, or think about him or think about coming to worship service, Jesus never is too busy for you. Jesus always has time for you. In fact, Jesus was upset when the disciples tried to keep kids from coming to him. Um, and and the, there's this text in, in the book of Mark, this same text that we read in Matthew, just Mark's version of it. And I want to highlight it because of the wording in there. So Mark 10, 13 says it like this, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And his disciples rebuked them. Listen to this. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And I wanted to point out Mark's account of this because of that word indignant. I looked up the original meaning of that word in the original language in an expository dictionary. Here's what it says. That word indignant means this. It primarily meant to feel a violent irritation physically. So, so here's what that means. This, this is not painting a picture of some people bringing some kids to Jesus and the disciples saying, no, 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 hey, keep the kids away. He's got more important things to do. It's not that Jesus responded with, hey, guys, you know what? It's fine. Just, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Let them come. It's not that. What Mark is painting a picture of here is Jesus being furious that they would stop the kids from coming to him, that Jesus was irritated and angry that his disciples would stop the kids from coming. And it's if you think about it, it's no wonder, right? I mean, if you've been trekking with us in the book of Matthew, you know that just a chapter ago, Jesus was talking about the importance of kids and using kids as an object lesson for what it looks like to have faith and be part of God's kingdom, right? And so you can imagine Jesus thinking, guys, we just talked about this. Like, are you kidding me? And now you're going to keep these kids 
from coming. But Jesus had a very strong response for this, right? And it's the way the disciples reacted is, is understandable, right? It, it's something we see common in our society that when someone is in a really high-profile position, like Jesus was as, as a famous teacher, right? When someone's in that kind of a high-profile position, we don't expect everyone to just have free, quick, easy access to that person. In fact, if you, if you try to contact like a CEO of a large company or even a pastor at a really large church, often what you're going to find is that there's someone working for them that kind of keeps watch over their schedule, right? That if you want to meet with someone in that kind of a position, you may send an email to them or their office, but you're not going to get a response most likely directly from that person. You're going to get a response from someone who's an administrative assistant. And that person's job, part of their job, is to decide when someone asks for an appointment to decide, well, what kind of influence does this person have? Or what kind of resources does this person have? What kind of clout or power does this person have? And ultimately what they're trying to figure out is, does giving this person some time and attention in any way serve to advance the purpose of this high-profile figure, right? What's in it for him? What's in it for her? Is this high-profile person somehow going to benefit from what this other person has to offer? And if not, we're just going to pass on that one. After all, there's so many hours in the day, and we have to make good use of those. But here again, we see Jesus completely turning that on his head, right? Jesus, the most high-profile person that ever walked the face of the earth, goes out of his way to give his time and attention and energy to people who are the less thans in society, right? He goes out of his way to give his time and energy attention, not just to children, right, but to other people who we think our society kind of deems unimportant, unimpressive, unable to bring anything, right, to the lame, to the lepers, the Gentiles, the outcasts, the, the Samaritans, those who have really blatant sin that looks like they probably don't bring a lot in terms of what they bring to the table for the kingdom of God. Those who are seen as unimportant and unworthy, Jesus goes out of his way to welcome them, to spend time with them, to give attention to people that fit that mold. Kids, you still listening? Very good. All right, kids, I want you to remember this, okay? Listen, Jesus does not have more important things to do than listen to your prayers. Jesus is never too busy. He's not too occupied. He doesn't have more important things that he always has time. So when you pray, Jesus loves that. He loves to hear you cry out to him and pray to him. He's never too busy. He's never got more important things to do than listen to your prayers. In fact, kids, our second observation is this, is that Jesus wants us as adults to be more like you. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus commanded us as adults to learn from and be more like you as kids? That he wants us to be more like you? Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, so Jesus had time for kids, and we have time for kids too. In fact, we're going to go really old school, like my Southern Baptist roots are going to come out here, all right? So I'm going to have all the kids come up and join me at the front, right? I've got a, I've got a quilt here that my Nana made. She would be really proud to see it getting some, this kind of use. So kids, come on, stand up. If you're fifth grade and under, or if you're just a kid at heart, you can come on up. Y'all stand up and make your way up here. Fifth grade and down. Justin and Bradley, 
You guys are kids at heart. Y'all come on down too. Y'all can sit in the back so other kids can see though. Y'all come on down. Josiah, come on, man. Come on up. All right. This is what we call rolling the dice when you're sermon prepping, okay? I'm going to read you guys a story. How many of you guys have the Jesus Storybook Bible at home? Raise your hands. Yeah? Parents, if you don't have this and you've got kids around this age, highly recommend this. It's not an actual Bible. It's just Bible stories, but really, really good stuff that points kids to, to Jesus. It doesn't just teach like moral lessons, but really shows them their need for Jesus and the character of God. So, all right, you guys want to listen to this story with me? Okay. You guys turn around, Jackson, so you can see. There you go. All right. I'm going to read this story for you guys. It's called The Friend of Little Children. And it's about the passages we've been reading in Matthew. We've been preaching about these passages. This is just a summary of that story, okay? Here's what it says. Jesus' friends were arguing. Who is the most important helper in God's kingdom? They wanted to know. I am, James said. No, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, Matthew said. I'm the smartest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, I am too. This silliness went on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking that they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the smartest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something that God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how smart you are, or how good you are, how rich you are, how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And as anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is that it's free. All you have to do is reach out and take it. So while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact, you might say they were gift experts, they had come to Jesus. Who were they? Who were they? Kids, that's right. So Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you. They said, he's too tired. But you know what? They were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you'd been there, what do you think you would have done? Would you have lined up really quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he gave you a hug? Or that you would have had to be on your best behavior and get dressed up or not speak till you're spoken to? Think that's what it would have been like? Probably not, right? Or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you around and kiss you and hug you and sit on his lap and listen to your stories. You see, children loved Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, No matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart. Full of trust in God, be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. Guys, I mentioned earlier that Jesus wants us as adults to learn from you guys as kids. And I think one of the things that he meant by that was that you guys don't spend a lot of time wondering about how important you are in this church. You know what I mean? How many of you guys have ever sat around after a service and wondered, how come they haven't asked me to preach? Anyone? Justin? Okay, a couple. Jackson? (laughs) All right. Very good. We had a couple in the first service too. Now let me ask you this. How many of you guys have ever sat around and wondered, 
man, I wonder why the elders haven't asked me to be on the finance team. Anyone ever wonder that? No, right? <laughs> you guys don't worry about that stuff. You know why? Because you're, you're not concerned about what you bring to the table or what you offer here. And you're not comparing yourself to see how important you are in this church. And you know what? Jesus loves that about you. And he wants us to be more like that, okay? So don't forget that. Thank you guys for coming up. You guys can go back to your seats now. All right, so adults, Jesus wants us to be like kids. And when I, when I thought about that, and I thought about this passage where we get that, we talked about it a few weeks ago, Matthew 18, 3, it says this, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I was thinking about this, and Jesus you know, using kids as an object lesson and honoring them and wanting the disciples to, to learn from them and emulate them, and thinking, what did... What was it about kids that Jesus wants us to emulate? Because it's obviously not everything, right? I mean, can you guys imagine if I just appointed them just now to be on the finance team and to do the preaching, right? This thing probably would not last a whole lot longer, right? He doesn't want us to emulate kids in every sense of them, right? In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14.20, Paul says this, Brothers, do not be like children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And what Paul's talking about in that text, he's talking about the order and structure of a worship service and how you need to be mindful of if you implement certain elements in a worship service, what that's going to make people think if they're visiting. You have to think ahead about your actions and what consequences those things are going to have on others. You see, don't be like children. You have to be mature. You have to think about and consider these things. So then what, then what did Jesus mean, right? That's what we have to ask ourselves. What is it about kids that he wants us as adults to emulate and to learn from. And I want to consider two things. Number one, he wants us to trust him with our needs. Think about how kids just, just unashamedly accept the fact that they have needs that need to be taken care of. And that's why when they come up to Jesus and he picks them up and sets them on his lap, they're not offended by that, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago, but they understand what their needs are and what their limitations are. And the question for us as adults, do we? Do we understand our limitations and the things that we are just completely dependent on God for? Because here's the thing about a kid. A kid doesn't open the fridge and notice that things are getting a little low and go, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday. What are we going to eat on Friday? Like, a kid never thinks about that. And even if he does, it lasts about 10 seconds, right? And then he is moving on. Why? Because he's irresponsible? No, because he knows that's just not his job. And he fully, a kid who's well taken care of, just fully trusts that someone else is going to take care of the things that are outside of his control. I think when we talk about trusting God, sometimes it's kind of hard to know what to do with that because it's like as an adult, if you look at an empty fridge and you think, well, I just need to trust God for that, the food's not going to magically appear, right? You still have to go get the food. But there are things that are outside of our control as adults, right? There are things, God, responsibilities God has given us that we need to be faithful to and plan ahead for. But at the end of the day, we have to step back and realize tomorrow is not in my hands. And it is not going to help things if I worry and fret about where I'm going to be a year from now, what I'm going to do for 
work, what my job is going to look like, what's going to happen with my kids, what's going to happen with that. It does no good to sit and worry about that, but we can trust that we have a really good dad who's taking care of the things that are outside of our control, and we can trust him. And Jesus wants us to trust God just like kids do with what's in the fridge. Just trust in the sense of we don't even have to worry about it because we know God has the things that are outside of our control under his eye and under his hand. Another thing I think Jesus meant by wanting us to be like kids is that he wants us to stop trying to earn his approval. See, we we talked earlier about how someone in a high-profile position, most of the time, when someone wants time with them or something from them, they would need to kind of evaluate, what am I going to get out of this? Is this something I can leverage to advance my purpose? Here's the cool thing about Jesus is he doesn't need any of that. (laughs) No one brings anything to the table that Jesus needs to leverage to his advantage, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? He has no needs that we need to meet, right? So he doesn't need to filter through his appointments based on who can advance his purposes or not, right? And he wants us to remember that we don't bring anything to the table that he needs from us. What he wants from us is to come to him like children who don't have anything to provide but are seeking the provision of our Father, In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how God shows the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. Think about Jesus' disciples, right? Jesus did not go after people who were influential and had a lot of power and clout, right? That's not who he went after. In fact, he specifically chose what Acts chapter 4 calls ordinary, uneducated men. Why? So that it might be very clear that this movement of Christianity in the church was not accomplished by the wit and power and influence of these strategically chosen men, but that it would make it very abundantly clear that it was God's power doing this thing that we now know as the church, that it was by the might and power of God and not man's wisdom that Jesus accomplishes his purposes. It's funny in this text because embedded in this response the disciples had to children coming up, right? When the the disciples said, no, 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 keep them away. They're not important enough, right? Embedded in that response was a pride that caused them to think that they were important enough, right? Embedded in that was this idea that they said, hey, keep the kids away. They're not important enough. Now, Jesus, let's talk, right? Like, Like, you are important enough for Jesus? Is that what you think? I love that song we just sang. This is two wonders that I confess. I don't know if we can pull that up or not. I didn't talk to the media team about this beforehand, but if they can, great. Two wonders that I confess. My worth and my unworthiness. Right? We have worth because of Jesus. Now, we are unworthy, right? We don't, we're not worthy of his time, his attention. We're not good enough to come before him, right? My worth and my unworthiness. But then the next is that my ransom has been paid, right? My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. That we are worthy to come before Jesus, not because of what we have done, because he purchased 
us for himself on the cross. He paid a high price to redeem us out of our sin and unworthiness and reconcile us to his Father. That's what we bring to the table, right? Is our sin, and Jesus paid our ransom to bring us to his Father at the cross. That's the message of the gospel that the disciples were missing by thinking that somehow they were worthy, they were important enough, they were big enough or old enough or smart enough or key players enough to play a part in God's kingdom. And he said, no, I want you to learn from these kids. They don't think they're here because of anything they brought to the table, because they're smart enough or good enough or gosh darn it, people like them, right? That's not what they're thinking. They just are glad to be in Jesus' presence and glad to receive his love as a gift. The third observation I want us to make today, which is, again, super simple from this text, but it's just that we should be bringing our kids to Jesus. Right? Just like these parents brought their kids to Jesus, we, those of us who are parents in this room, ought to bring our kids to Jesus. And this is not just for adults and parents, right? I mean, the disciples had to learn from this too, that they should have been bringing kids to Jesus, whether or not they were their kids. And let's take a moment and just remember this morning that Jesus was indignant when the disciples saw the kids as a hindrance or inconvenience and wanted to push them away. And we can safely assume that today, if we see kids as a hindrance or inconvenience and just want to get rid of them and push them away so we can focus on me and Jesus, that Jesus is not happy about that either. So parents, how do we bring our kids to Jesus? We're just going to do some real practical pointers here. And the first one is to read with them, right? Um, I mentioned that Jesus Storybook Bible earlier. Again, great resource. If you don't have that, you have kids that are like elementary age or, really, or younger, I really encourage you to pick that up. Um, but Emily and I were talking about this this week, about how one of the things we've really enjoyed is just, just reading straight from the Bible. We just started in the mornings reading a, a few verses or a paragraph out of Genesis. Super simple, super easy. You don't have to trick this up. You don't have to do a lot of prep time just when you're with your kids, open the Bible and just start working through a book. Start in Genesis. Just read a few verses, ask what they think, and see what happens. I think sometimes we overcomplicate these things, but just read truth with your kids. That's how you bring them to Jesus. Another thing I would say is set aside time for them to read. Another thing we started doing last year, which we found super beneficial, is, you know, Emma and I would try to get up before the kids so we could you know, read, work out, whatever we want to do before the kids get up. And recently, um, about a year ago, we started saying, hey, when y'all get up, one of the first things we want you to do, you've got your morning chores, is open your Bible and spend some time reading. And for our, um, our oldest, you know, um, he can actually read out of the Bible, and that's great. For some of our younger ones, it's more like a storybook, Bible story type things, or even just looking at pictures. But it gets them in the habit of coming to Jesus at the beginning of their day. And it's not perfect, okay, guys? I don't want to paint this picture like our house is just like we do that every morning and there's never any flaws or hiccups in that. Not the case at all, but a good way for us to bring our kids to Jesus. Um, another thing I would say is bring them what you're learning. Um, whenever I was first uh, in ministry as a college student trying to get into vocational ministry and thinking about that, one guy that was kind of a mentor to me said, Kai, your, your um, ministry always needs to be an overflow of your walk. And what he meant by that was, if you try to 
drum up teaching and, and leadership and preaching and discipleship um, out of an empty well. That's never going to work. But that as you lead and teach others, it needs to be an overflow of you pursuing Jesus and treasuring him above all else. And that be the motivation and just the, the spilling over of, man, you've got to get in on some of this good stuff I'm learning and I'm experiencing, right? That if it doesn't come from that place, it's going to be dry and it's going to be empty. And the same is true, parents, with our kids, that maybe the, the, the way we disciple them is not by drumming up and preparing extra lessons, but by when we are pursuing Jesus and we are reading our Bibles and we are learning things and enjoying things about him, just taking that to them and saying those things. And I've found personally that when I'm doing that, my conversations with my kids about the Lord go a lot further and mean a lot more. And it might be the most authentic thing your kids hear about the Lord is just you sharing what you're learning in your pursuit of the Lord. And then the last way I want to point out that we do this is to bring them to worship service. Look, I look out in this room and I see the kids who are on this uh, quilt and I see like, man, you guys are already doing this. So hopefully this will just be a lot of encouragement towards that. One of the really kind of has become a defining or key characteristic of Crosspoint is that we have kids in the service at a little bit younger age than a lot of other churches do. And guys, that's it's not because we think that, you know, having a children's ministry that runs up through fifth grade, we don't think that's wrong or evil or negligent or anything like that. And in fact, we recognize there are some advantages to that, to kids learning in a, from a, you know, a, a setting where everything is kind of geared and catered around them. There's some good things that come with that. But we're just convinced that the advantages of having them with mom and dad in the service outweigh those other advantages. Um, we think that it gives them a chance to see mom and dad worshiping, right? It gives mom and dad a chance to model, look, this is what it looks like. You get to see your parents worshiping, focusing on the songs, crying out to God, adoring God, listening to the teach word, valuing the teaching of the scriptures, taking notes, learning about that, and getting to experience that alongside their parents. Another advantage we see, a big one, guys, is that it reminds us as parents, mom and dad, that this isn't about us. That corporate worship is just that. It's corporate worship. It's what we do together as the family of God. And part of that is in our um, physical birth families is like we are engaging together, not just with the body of Christ, but with our parents, with our kids as a whole. Um, all of us struggle with a consumer mindset at times. All of us are tempted to see this time of corporate worship as I just need everything, everyone to remove all the distractions and the band to play and the guy to preach so that I, as the end user, as the consumer, can sit here and enjoy this experience that's being put on for me. All of us have a temptation to slip into that mindset. And having kids in here reminds us, now, this isn't me and Jesus' time. This is us as the people of God worshiping together. So it has that benefit of reminding us to not be in a consumer mindset. Also, the kids are learning to engage while we do this. Um, it's funny how sometimes people... Sometimes people get hung up in this idea of, man, the kids, they're, they're not listening. They don't get it. They don't understand. There's so much they miss in here. Well, what if we took that same attitude about 
teaching them how to talk, right? Like, what if we never used any sentences or phrases around our kids if they haven't learned that word or that sentence yet? Well, they, they would never come up the hill, right? I mean, they, they, they would be stuck, right, in what they do know if we had to teach them every single word before we ever use it. But we know that kids learn as they go, as they see. Even if they don't understand every word we're saying, they're picking up on things and they're coming up the hill. And that's what we see in worship service, that, yeah, there's, there's some fidgeting and there's some difficulties and there's some distractions that, ha- that come with having kids in here, and they don't engage the whole time, but they're coming up the hill, they're learning. And it's always surprising when we ask our kids, what did you learn today? Some of the stuff that sticks with them is just crazy. Um, back in Easter, we had a baptism service, and I think there were six families, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly, all but one, five out of the six kids who were baptized, part of the parents' testimony was, man, when we had them in here in the service, man, it was hard, it was distracting, but they learned so much. They came up the hill spiritually and matured, and now that's part of the story of how they came to faith and why they're being baptized on that day. So it helps them learn to engage, it helps them mature along in their faith, alongside their parents. So now, let's turn our attention real quick to kids. Kids, are you guys listening? Awesome, thank you. Well, I'm going to talk about how you guys spend time with Jesus, because here's the really cool part about this story, is that these kids didn't have to go through their parents to talk to Jesus, but they had direct access to Jesus. And kids, did you guys know that you have direct access access to Jesus, that when you pray, Jesus hears you. You don't have to go through your parents or through a pastor or come into this room or anything like that. Even in your own bedroom, you can pray and you have direct access to Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you to do two things. Number one is to read about Jesus. And if you don't know how to do that or what book to pick up, ask your parents and say, hey, is there a book I can read that will help me Come to Jesus and pursue him and learn more about him. Read about Jesus. You can come to him in that way. Another way you can come to him is through prayer. That again, in any setting you're in, any place, no matter where you are or who's with you, you can pray to Jesus. And listen, he always has time for you. I know that may sound crazy because it seems like some people don't have time for you. Sometimes Jesus is different. Jesus always has time for you. And don't ever think that If you ever think that your things you want to pray about maybe aren't important enough or not a big enough deal to trouble Jesus with it, if you ever think that, kids, remember this story. Remember this story when the disciples said, Jesus is too important for these kids, and he said, no. No, I'm not. Let the children come. Let the children come to me. I am not too busy or too big or too important for these kids. Jesus always, always, always has time for you and wants to hear from you, okay? Let's pray. God, I pray that we as adults remember that, (laughs) that part of our childlike faith would just be remembering that you are not too busy for us. You always have time for us. And just like a, a perfect father would want to hear from his kids, God, that you want to hear from us, that you are interested in us and that you care about us because your love is so great and so big and you are so powerful that you can handle all of it and you want to pursue us 
in that way that you take an interest in us. God, thank you for that great love that we could ever ask for or come up with on our own. And I pray that you would help us to embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen.